What is up, everybody? Jeremy here. And uh, guys, I'm very excited for today's conversation because today's guest, gosh, maybe like six months ago was a huge help to me um, as I was struggling with these like recurring sinus infections. I could not explain. And he goes, sounds like you got mold in your house. And uh, we did uh, did a lot of work and a lot of looking around, and man, did we find it, and man, was it worse than I could have ever expected. Our guest today is Brandon Faust, and uh, he runs a really great company called Mold Solutions, so we're going to really dive into his story and a lot of what you need to know. So, uh, Brandon, thanks for hanging out with me today, man. Absolutely. I'm, I'm excited to talk to you, and I love the feedback in regards to what's happened with you and your family. I mean, that's a really big deal, and I'm, I'm glad that I could help. But I'm super happy to do that. Well, you've you've been a, definitely been a big help flow to us, man. Like to to realize that that was a situation, and like I could actually do something about it. I think that's the most overwhelming thing to most people that maybe they have a mold issue in their house, or and they know about it, or they don't know about it, and they really feel like they're at effect of something they can't handle. And I think that's what's really interesting about what you do. So I, I want to find out first and foremost, like how did you get into this whole world, and how did you, you know? become so interested in mold, man. You know, it definitely was not something that I was expecting to become passionate about. That's for sure. It was not something that I had been planning, you know, as a little kid, when I grow up, I'm going to be a mold guy. That's not how it ended up going. But what what really took place was more uh, a buddy of mine knew that I had an entrepreneurial spirit and that, you know, I had done sales, marketing, headhunting, public relations, and asked me to come on board with the company that he was going to be taking over. And initially I actually turned him down because I was so not interested in being a mold guy. And, and as a matter of fact, my, my wife, when we first moved to Florida was like, we should get a mold test. And I'm like, uh, no, I'm not spending the $400 on a mold test. We're just not doing that. <laughs> you know, so it was, uh, it was a definite transition. Let's put it that way. So, you know, I get, he finally says, okay, look, there's equity involved if you come on board. And at that point, it struck my interest. I said, okay, well, hey, this could be good, you know, but I'm going to at least learn something, that's for sure. So I started training, getting my certification, my mold training. And then probably three months later, four months later, my son at two months old was waking up every morning struggling to breathe, like almost like as if he was having an asthma attack. And it was consistent. It, to a point where after the third day, my wife was like, that's it. I'm taking him to the emergency room. You know, there's something wrong with him. And I said, okay, hold, hold that thought. Like we can do that, but let me just check to make sure it's not environmental from everything I'm learning that could happen. So I went into different areas of the home and started looking behind stuff. Cause I'd been going into people's houses and doing these deep dives and, you know, looking in all these cabinets and under you know, vanities and boroscopes and all kinds of stuff. I was looking. So I decided just to apply it to my own house because it was a problem. So sure enough, I moved this one shelving system and it had, we had just purchased it a few months earlier when my wife was getting ready for my son, you know, and how, how, you know, moms do, they start nesting and they start preparing. So we bought some of this stuff. Right. And, uh, but it was full of mold, two feet of mold, both ways, you know, so it was a it was a big deal. It was a lot of mold, and it was a mold called Aspergillus penicillium, and I was shocked to see it. But it was right behind the wall where there was a pinhole leak from the shower, and my mom had come to visit to 
because of the baby and she was, you know, obviously showering every day and, but it was leaking every day and that water was wicking up the shelving system. And it was in the same room that the air handler was located. So it was taking this moldy, toxic air and distributing it all throughout the house. And for him at a month old, you know, his immune system is super weak and developing, you know, and it was wreaking havoc on his little body. But I was so happy because once we found it, we did the cleanup. We ended up, you know, removing the contaminated material, fixing the leak, doing the micro cleaning and then sanitizing the house using a non-toxic product. And my wife and son were back in the house three hours later. And the next day he woke up and he woke up an hour later than usual with no trouble breathing at all. And it never came back. So that was a definite, that was an aha moment for me. It was like, holy cow. Cause I thought of what would have happened if we would have taken him to the ER and to the docks and they would have been going around and around in circles trying to figure out what was wrong with him. And they wouldn't have gotten it because it was environmental. So they would have been looking Mm -hmm. at something wrong with him, but there was nothing wrong with him. It was the home that he was living in. So that was a huge realization for me. And it changed the way that I did, you know, my walkthroughs and my free environmental consultations after that, because, you know, I realized that we were actually dealing with people's health, that we're dealing with their, their well-being. You know, so it was a, that was a game changer. You know, what's interesting, Brandon, is that in a lot of my own research, that was the, one of the major things that was surprising to me is to see a lot of times when people are going to the doctor, like, and I'm talking about like traditional medicine, not like, you know, functional or homeopathic or anything like that, but in people are misdiagnosed with all sorts of crazy and wild things that actually don't end up handling because they're not treating mold. And I guess I'm curious what sort of health conditions do you see coming up when people actually have mold exposure in their home and maybe they don't realize it? I mean, there's the, there's the instantaneous sort of acute symptoms of like headaches, joint aches, respiratory issues, coughing, sneezing, rashes. But there can be stuff that's like even mental depression, you know, this sort of dark cloud that, you know, hangs over your head, you know, these types of things. But then there's the more long-term stuff where there's like neurodegenerative diseases like Alzheimer's, Parkinson's, you know, people that look like they have MS and it's not, you know, obviously I'm not a doctor that's way above my pay grade, but in terms of the patients from the doctors that get sent our way, these are the types of things that we're hearing. I mean, I've had, I've had clients that are literally debilitated, cannot operate. They cannot function. They're knocked out. And then we do what we do on their home and then they recover. And it's like, wow. You know, I had a friend of mine, uh, a lady by the name of Kirsty, who does disaster recovery type work, you know, and she went to Turkey and she got hit with some toxicity there, came home and wasn't feeling great. And little did she know that her home was a toxic plant. She was having so much trouble in her own home and she didn't know why. So after four months of like itchy eyes, puffy face, you know, um, swelling in the morning, congestion, fatigue, she finally, you know, was looking at, I guess, my Facebook post or something like that, or friends on Facebook, and she says, you got to come to my house. I think I might have an issue. So I get in there and I start searching around. And I first thing I do is I find out that she has a filter in her AC unit 
that she didn't know about and hadn't changed for like a year. Oh my gosh. And that was, that was, there's a term for it called bionesting where that mold actually starts building. And it's like a, it's a concentration because there's so much dust, so much moisture that it, it's just a, it's like club med for mm-hmm. mold. It's loving that spot. So there was that, and we ended up fixing, pulling that out, replacing it, obviously. But then deep, deep dive, her coils had mold on them. Her blower wheel had mold on it. Her, the box above her air handler had mold in it. Her ducks had mold in it. So we did a full duct handling for my, with my company, Real Duct Cleaning, right, which goes hand in hand with the indoor air quality business, of course. And then we did a whole home sanitization and cleanup, you know, HEPAVAC damp wipe of her house. And literally within 24 hours, she said her symptoms went from a 10 to a 1. Wow. And she hadn't been out of the house for months. And now she just got back from uh, Maui, where she was doing work in Hawaii because of the fires. And then she, yesterday or the day before I talked to her, the day before I talked to her, she was actually up in Tallahassee helping hurricane victims. And to me, that's the thing that is the most rewarding. It's talking to people like her, talking to people like you, you're, you know, you're fit, you're healthy, you know, what's going on with your body. You were kind of explaining to me these mysterious sort of illnesses that were reoccurring, you weren't shaking it. And I'm like, dude, I'm pretty certain you got mold. Right. And to be able to help on that, that's what gets me up every morning. That's the thing that matters to me. Yeah. And I think that's really important, man, because it's, it, it is interesting. Like I have a lot of these conversations and I feel like the people that are really lit up are the ones that really feel like they're, they're helping people with what they do. Right. It's not just a job. It's not just a career. Like it's, it's something you were meant to do. And I think that's really, really important. And I, but I guess looking at it, one of the things I feel like is, I guess, might make it difficult for people to handle the situation is they don't quite know like, well, what does it look like to like find mold in my house? Like, what does that process look like? Right. They might have the idea that it's like, you know, going to the mechanic where, you know, they, they tell them they need to fix all these things in their car and they, and they don't really know. So they have this uncertainty. So I guess when, yeah. when you're, when you're looking at it, what does that process look like when you're actually looking through a home? Like, where are you looking? How are you looking? Like, what does that look like? Absolutely. And I think that you nailed it on the head. I think there's a lot of skepticism in this industry and some of these industries that you just don't know kind of what you're going to get. And, you know, is the person honest? Are they taking advantage of me or what's what's going on? Right. So and I think that mold is one of those industries that that could happen. And it's really important that anybody in our industry has a moral compass and they have scruples and they actually are doing it coming from the right place. Now, I can't obviously vouch for every person in the industry and I can't, you know, change their ways necessarily, but I can definitely lead by example or set an example. But to to answer your question, what does the process look like? Well, first thing is, you know, you could get a inspector to come in and take air samples. The only problem with that is that the air samples are about 70% inaccurate, which is horrible, Mm. right? That's like failing in almost everything, right? So there's a few places that that's not, you know, it's like you make it 30% of the time you're okay, you know, like in baseball, right? I think, I think public schools, you're allowed to do that now too. It's, you know. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, but it's not, it's not good, right? 70% is not a good rate. So then there's another sample that is accurate uh, almost a hundred percent of the time, which is the direct sample. But that requires you finding what looks to be mold, right? And then testing. Mm -hmm. 
So then there's other tests, like there's the Instascope, which is actually something I'm really excited about because you can, it's almost like the difference between analog film and digital film, where it's testing it in real time and giving you your answers right there on the spot and letting you know, is this a hot spot? And then you can start honing in because a lot of times the mold is hiding and you know you don't want to tear down a home to find the mold and find out that it was just in one spot, right? So the Instascope is a great tool, but there's not a lot of people that have it because they're expensive. They're about 40 grand, you know, to, mm-hmm. for that instrument. Can it like so, see through walls and stuff like that? Like, is it capable of doing it, that or like, or it's like not how does able that to work? do that? It's basically picking up readings okay. in terms of particles that are 2.5 microns or 10 microns, you know, in real time. So it can tell you, you'll see okay. when it spikes or you'll get around a nest because usually if you get around a nest, you would have a higher level of on that, on the Instascope, you know? So, <clears throat> but the most important thing is knowing what it looks like and knowing where to look because you can find most of the situations with that alone. Unfortunately, olfactory is not always reliable. Like you're not always going to smell mold. And I think that's one of the myths about mold is it, oh, if you don't have a musty smell or if there's not some sort of, Mold smell, then it's not there. I can absolutely guarantee you that is not a fact. You know, I've been in homes that were immaculate. There was no smell and there was black mold behind those walls. Well, you know what's interesting about that too, Brandon? I know like for me, I had a confusion on a lot of what I thought was dust in my home was actually mold when we looked at it. And I, and I, and I think uh, there, I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that have had that confusion as well. I'm not saying all dust is mold, but what I'm saying is like, there's a lot of, there's mold types that look very similar to dust. That's, that's absolutely true. So one of the molds, cladosporium, it starts growing on the vents. A lot of people will mistake it as just dirt or grime. No, it's actually mold. And the other one, like the, the white mold, aspergillus, some people do think, yeah, that's dust. No, it's actually mold. So as a, as a trained professional, you start getting used to the actual patterns and the colors and what it looks like. You know, it starts as a little dot and then it becomes like it starts to spread out as a film. And then as it gets stronger, the roots start, you know, growing longer and deeper and then it starts becoming fuzzy. But not all mold is fuzzy. In, in most mm. cases, I'm not seeing fuzzy mold. In most cases, I'm actually seeing more like a film starting to grow on surfaces that if you look at that color compared to the original, you know, material or substrate, there's a difference. And then you test it and it actually is microbial. It's actually mold starting to spread its roots across Mm. that, that surface, you know, so that to me is the most important thing. Having somebody who's experienced that knows what to look for and where to look, you know, in your cabinets and behind paintings, behind pictures, under beds, the crawl space, um, you know, the attic can be an issue. The AC unit, especially in humid climates like Florida, that's a huge thing. Um, even just kind of poking behind the paneling behind the cabinet and then the drywall and looking in those zones or popping a kick plate and looking underneath the actual vanity. So it's knowing all these spots and knowing and having the discernment that, hey, that's not um, that's not a mud spec. That's actually a mold called catomium, let's get it tested to verify. Because for me, I'm not, the only person that in Florida that's legally or officially allowed to say, oh, hey, that's mold, is the lab. So anytime I go into a home and I'm doing a free environmental consultation, I have to put the disclaimer there, look, 
anything I'm letting you know, this is based on my opinion, we can get it verified mm-hmm. by an independent inspector, get it sampled in a lab to confirm this is actually what this is. But until then, it's just suspect growth. That's that's super interesting too because I think I think it's also to me as a consumer that would make me feel a little bit more certain then you know that like there's at least a, a lab involved in that way that that would make me feel better about the process. The thing I'm curious about is you talked a little bit about you know like under cabinets, kick plates, like things like that. I'm curious what are places that maybe people aren't considering that are actually really big places harboring mold in your home that maybe you were like, Hey, that's not it. Like for me, I mentioned it was, it was a closet in my guest room that happened to be behind, like the bathroom was on the other side of the wall and there was a leak in the wall. So what are places that we're not considering that are actually harboring a lot of mold in our house? Well, one of the, one of the ones that I've seen is kind of a shocking visual when you actually see it is, um, you have like laminate flooring that gets placed over a concrete slab. And sometimes people want like mm-hmm. sound, soundproofing or they want the floor to be a little bit softer. So they put down almost like this cloth uh, that has a, like a plastic mm. kind of covering where it acts as a vapor barrier. And when I've seen that, I've seen homes that the every room had a massive colony of catomium, which is a highly toxic mold. Oh, no. So- I just put that underneath the hardwood floor I put in my my father-in-law's house. Oh no. (laughs) So if it's, if it's like, you got to think with this, right? You have a concrete slab. Concrete is porous, right? It does actually have capillary action. It's only about four to six inches. So if there's water, if it's not dry underneath there, it's going to soak water up. And then if you have stuff that's going to trap that moisture, right? Especially if it is organic and material, like, you know, it's almost like a fabric sort of underlayment and then you put wood on top of it you've set up a situation where there can really be a tremendous amount of growth you know so that's you know sorry to hear that about you know and look obviously (laughs) we don't know that particular house or that particular home every home yeah yeah sure but definitely in florida it's something that i've seen in multiple homes right so the other place is of course the attic the crawl space is a major uh spot that gets missed because it tends to be uh, cooler because it's being covered. It's like dark and cool, but then that hot, humid air will move in, right? Because hot moves to cool, just like wet will move to dry. So that hot, moist air moves in and then it goes up, hot heat rises. But then you have the home being cooled on the inside. So that air hits a cooler surface and it starts to have condensation. And before you know it, you can have a microbial mess, a moldy mess underneath your home where, you know, you have that subfloor, maybe two feet space. And about 50% of the air you breathe comes from your crawl space. So that's another spot that a lot of people miss. And you actually have to climatize that space and make sure that it is dry as possible in order to prevent. You clean it first and then you do the whole climatization and put in a dehumidifier and fans to keep it dry. So that's another spot, you know? So, so let me ask you this then, Brandon, like, like, okay, so we've identified it. We found it. There's, there's different types. What do we do about it? Because I think too, like the terrifying thing as well, as you see these pictures on the internet of people that have their drywall, that's been ripped down and there's sledgehammers and all these different things. And I'm like, so, so what do we do to actually handle this man? 
Well, and look, the, the thing that you just said, there's many types. There's actually about 100,000 different types of molds. And there's oh only gosh. about 50,000 in the U.S. only. But on a daily basis, I'm only. seeing probably about 10 to 15 pretty consistently. And there might be different species. But mm-hmm. the, thing, the thing that most people don't realize is there's wet molds and then there's dry molds. And the most important aspect of a mold handling is actually determining the source because until you do that there's a very good chance that that mold is going to come back because where there's water that's a good point too because that's exactly what you went over with me right we're like okay so you're like where's the source and we're able to locate that and actually handle that then actually handling the problem is easier but continue i just wanted to to mention that was part of what you did with me yeah that is the most important element so you have a detective hat as a you know, mold guy, even if you're not the mold inspector, as the mold remediator, the person fixing the problem, you really need to find the actual cause. What is the thing that's bringing about the moldy problem? And it's always going to be moisture related. It's always going to be whether it's liquid or it's vapor or humidity, which, you know, humidity and vapor, same thing. It's always going to be moisture related. So if it is, if it is a water intrusion issue, like a leak, there's a good chance that that mold is a wet mold. And that and that's mm. part of the testing is if it's like stachybotrys or catomium or fusarium or some of these other molds that are wet molds, you know you need to look for a leak. Now, okay. if it's aspergillus or penicillium or this mold, there's another mold called cladosporium, then you can start looking, okay, it's most likely going to be in this spot. So aspergillus and penicillium are dry molds that can come about because of humidity or vapor. So in some cases, you might have like a uh, some sort of area of your home that is not sealed from like the attic to the building envelope. And because that hot air is going to move towards cool air, you get this flow of air. And around that spot, there's going to be condensation because that hot air is meeting that cool surface. And then you have water. It hits dew point. And then you know, okay, well, this is coming because of the water forming on that surface. And then it's a particular, it is localized to that one spot. But let's say your house is at 70% humidity, your AC goes out, and you're out of town for a week or two weeks, and you've had no airflow for two weeks, 70% humidity, you might walk home and open your door and find you know, a green garden on every surface because there's enough moisture in the air that those spores that are present, it's similar to like a pool where once it starts going green and that algae starts taking hold, it goes greener and greener, faster and faster if you don't stop it in its tracks. So that can happen with a home as well where it starts growing everywhere. So that's a humidity driven issue. And in that case, I'm not necessarily gonna recommend tearing out all the walls or tearing out why it's surface you would hepa vacuum it you would wipe it down and you you would remove the mold and then you'd have equipment going and you'd have negative air but then you can do through the micro cleaning the hepa vacuuming the wipe down the negative air and then like a whole home sanitization you could bring that home back to health without tearing out all of its walls. So depending on the type of mold gives Mm -hmm. you an idea of what's actually what your project looks like. 
All right, so you guys may notice we look very different than about 95% of this other interview. Um, the technical gods were not with us, and we had to complete this interview, um, I don't know, like four days later. So um, sorry for the difference in clothes. I'm wearing my Superman shirt okay. today, and uh, Brandon decided to not to go with a hat. But uh, I do appreciate you guys checking out this entire conversation because, as I mentioned, I've learned so much from Brandon. So, Brandon, um, for people that got a chance to check out this conversation, um, where can they find you? Where can they connect with you? I know you have a really great ebook that everybody should grab. So, so tell us about that, man. Absolutely. So the, the ebook is coming out and it's going to, it's hot off the press. Actually, we just kind of finished writing it. So it is uh, moldebook.com and it goes over how to prevent mold in a humid climate, but it's, these are tips that can be utilized for any home, any climate really. But of course, the ones here in Florida, we're in a subtropical climate. You want to have that. No doubt about it. Very cool. And where can we find you like on the socials and everything, man? Of course. So we have our um, on Instagram, which is really where we're most active is mold.solutions. And we're, you know, we're always checking our DMs and um, of course on Facebook as well. I think it's also mold.solutions. And then uh, also our website. People can reach out to us from the website. And, you know, we also have a little discount code. Uh, on that website so it's uh, very cool solutions.com awesome so go grab that ebook everybody and as i've mentioned guys like brandon has been such a, a help to me i'm not just blowing smoke up your butt so definitely check out what he's doing he's he's a real helpful to people out there so brandon thanks for coming on today man you got it i appreciate you uh giving me the opportunity to let people know about the ebook <laughs> Oh,